and welcome to another episode of Fresh Brewed Politics. I'm your host, Andrew Cooperider, coming at you here. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a hat. I'm gonna get my hair cut later today, so I'm wearing the camo hat with a Hawaiian type shirt, which I'm sure looks ridiculous to some of you guys. But regardless, we're gonna get into it today. A uh, couple subjects to cover. I've got my blood a boiling over over taxpayer dollars, and because I found out something today that really started upsetting me. Um, and so we're going to go ahead and dig into some of those things. But we've got some events coming up at Brood. Um, Brashear has made one of his worst moves to date, uh, I believe. I'll talk a little bit about taxpayer-funded lobbying, some some experience I had just kind of over have had, have had with uh, stuff, stuff regarding the, the COVIDs. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the infrastructure bill. But for right now, guys, I need you to do me a favor. If you're watching there on Facebook, go ahead and hit the share button down there in the corner. If you're watching on the YouTube, please share the link out wherever you can. And if you're catching this on a replay, you can always uh, listen to it live or not listen to it live. Sorry, but you can always listen to it uh, in podcast form on Apple and Spotify, Fresh Brewed Politics. You can download there. But of course, guys, we can only do these things and continue with these court fights we're in and these culture war fights we're in uh, is because of your guys' support, as you guys know. I mean, a lot of people like to uh, want to cancel our coffee shop. We have, we have three hate pages dedicated to hating Brood. And the number one thing we need you guys to do is buy our coffee and go to broodco.com or come into the shop and please visit us and show your support for what we're doing. Unless you don't like what we're doing, in which case, you know... Don't show support, but we'll dig into it. Go ahead and dig into it today. So first, we've got an event going on at Brood uh, on July uh, 9th. Um, it's called Freedom uh, Fest, um, and it is going on July 9th. It starts at uh, 6 o'clock. We're going to have some food trucks out there. going to have some aerial acrobatics. We're going to have some free axe throwing. going to have a, a band or two. Um, for you to come on out and take a look at, we're going to have some speakers, uh, Chris Weiss and Tony Wheatley and, and, uh, Lee Watts and Erica Callahan, uh, will be out there providing us a, a nice and exciting time. So we're going to have some speakers. We're going to have bands. We're going to have some music. We might have a bounce house, right? A really great time. We're having out at brood, uh, on July 9th at six o'clock, spread the word. We're going to be making posts about it and everything else So make sure you're sharing it on your socials and our social medias. Have an event at Brood. Very, very exciting stuff going on there. So um, let's talk about Bashir's worst move to date. The $1,500 bribe to go back to work might be Bashir's worst move to date. According to a lot of polls I'm seeing online, variety of news places, whether that's WKYT or what have you, is out there making, um, making their statements about what uh, people are saying they're taking a survey of what the people are saying about that. And a lot of people are out there saying they're very upset. Um, I believe most polls I'm seeing show about an approval rating of about 18% on the $1,500 to get people back to work. Because of course, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to be bribing people $1,500. I know we covered it in our last podcast, but it is incredibly infuriating to everybody else who's been working this entire 
time. I mean, and not only that, but it's infuriating to the people that have gone back to work. It makes you feel like there's a certain amount of lost out. Why are they getting the money? Why are we giving money? Because at the end of the day, and, and this goes into the title, it's not their money anyways. That is how they look at these things. And as we talk about taxpayer-funded lobbying, you'll see that too. They do not look at this as your money. They look, I'm sorry, as their money. They're looking at it as some money that comes from somewhere that they're not accountable for. Because if you are accountable to your taxpayer, I don't see how you justify spending $1,500 in taxpayer funds to get people to go back to work and the whole reason why they won't go back to work is because $300 a week of taxpayers' money is being given to them extra a week to encourage them to stay out of work. It creates a, an encouragement for people to stay out of work. So this $1,500 bribe, that's what it is, is ridiculous. And it does not have a high approval rating at all because at the end of the day, <coughs> people intrinsically know. I, I mean, it's not like even the people who like government doing benevolent work. And, and as some of you may or may not know, benevolent meaning the charitable work. And there's a line, I believe James Madison said, uh, where he said, you know, I struggle to find the line in the constitution that allows you to spend our taxpayer dollars or our constituents money for benevolent reasons, for charitable reasons, right? Because it's not really the government's place to do charity. But, but let's say you're one of those people who believe government is good. And let's say you're one of those people that believe that government can go ahead and take part in this and can actually solve a problem. Let's say you're one of those people. Even you have to recognize that when you're literally just giving money to people who are literally just choosing not to work, because that's what it has to be. Because if you can't work, $1,500 isn't going to get you back to work. So even those people who are okay with benevolent reasons literally see it as for what it is, taking tax payers dollars and turning around and just giving it to people who are refusing to work and refusing to even pull their own weight. Because once again, there's, there's a different argument to have, can a person pull their own weight? But like I said, you're proving they can and they need to get back to work. And so quite frankly, it's ridiculous. Of course, you know, the logistics of the matter make no sense. Uh, $1,500 to the first 15,000 people who, um, get a job before the end of July? How do you even track that? How do you even know in what order people are getting jobs in? I don't know. I don't know how you fill out for it. And you know, chances are based upon how he was behaving during the pandemic. So this is something that people from the unemployment office have told me that during the pandemic, uh, Bashir did not keep anybody, the governor here in Kentucky, did not keep anybody in the know about anything. So they were finding out about the, the taking uh, in-person appointments Again, at the same time, the rest of us were from his live TV show he was doing every day. Now that has come back, though, it went away for a bit and then it came back into a once weekly press conference because he needed his attention. Pay attention to me. And so, you know, the $1,500, I think it might be his worst move, most hated move to date and makes zero sense. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out for him. It's a bold move, Cotton. We'll see how that goes for you. I don't think it ends very well. I think this is maybe one more nail in the coffin. That is the Bashir's administration. Of course, he should have been impeached last session. You know, maybe they're not. They're not going to impeach him this session. But, you know, I don't know. But anyways, the hope would be is that, of course, we never see Bashir again after these next two years. But who knows? All kinds of weird things happen in this state. 
It is the most corrupt state in the country, as a lot of people say. So who knows what will happen. Speaking of corruption and spending your taxpayer dollars on corruption, let's talk about taxpayer-funded lobbying. Taxpayer-funded lobbying, for those who are unaware, is when government entities or people that are government-funded then take the money they get and spend it on lobbyists, lobbyists to lobby the state uh, and federal governments, but in this case, it's state. We're going to talk about state governments uh, to to give them uh, priority. So you'll see uh, a lot of times school school um, um, schools will do this. You know, Fayette County School Board does this. Uh, you know, Jefferson County Schools do this. So a lot of school boards do this kind of thing. Um, but I, I, you know, I started digging into it, and one of the weirdest, weirdest things that I started noticing is how much money the city spends. So, so take just Lexington Fed urban County government. That is the entity that runs Lexington, Kentucky, Lexington Fed County, urban Lexington Fed urban County government. That is literally the government of the city. Okay. The government of the city. It's spent uh, since last year. So since January of uh, 1st of 2020, it's spent $24,500 as its entity on taxpayer-funded lobbying. And you may be like, well, that doesn't sound like too much. I mean, it's a uh, tax dollars. But let's talk real quick. That's just like some Fayette County Urban, like some Fayette Urban County government. We're taking a deeper dive on this. Well, let's look at Louisville. Louisville Metro government. So the city council, people like that, spent $81,455 since January 1st, 2020. Not to mention, that's just the Metro County government entity. There's other entities spending money. For example, the Louisville sewers, the 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 sewer district or department or whatever, the thing you know that is also taxpayer funded government, spent ninety thousand seven sorry ninety thousand seven hundred thirteen dollars in lobbying since January first of twenty twenty. Which leaves me to ask one question: What the heck? Are these elected representatives, these state senators and these state house reps doing? What are they doing? Why are these, these cities hiring lobbyists to lobby the representative that has been elected to represent that city's needs? But yet you have the city paying lobbyists to talk to people. What is going on? Why is it that the Lexington Fayette County, urban county government has to pay $24,500 for the luxury of getting to talk to the representatives that represent their area? Shouldn't that just come with the job? Shouldn't that just be a part of what you're supposed to do? If you're sitting there saying, oh, I'm an elected official, aren't you supposed to just talk to the cities that you represent? Why are they having to pay money to get access to it? I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg here. I mean, with what I just named off in Louisville is around $170,000 over the last year, just, just by the sewers and then the uh, urban county government in Louisville. $170,000. That's your money that they are paying to lobby an entity also funded by your money 
to give them more of your money. And in the process, they cut off a $90,000 chunk or $170,000 chunk. And they cut it off and they give it to some private entity, some private group. Guys, I got to tell you, looking through these reports and you can find these online, you're going to see there's a lot of the same names in here, especially a, a Babbage. You know, um, Babbage is representing a lot of these government entities, which is certainly of some concern when you have one group doing it. So basically, they're lobbying themselves for more of your money while spending your money doing it, giving it to a private entity. Makes no sense. It's a waste of your money. Is a complete waste of your money. And like I said, that's just a few. I mean, we're, we're digging into it, but just to name off a few others. Anchorage, um, which is Middletown Fire and EMS. That's in Louisville. That's Louisville has lots of these little incorporated cities. Lobbying since January 1st, 2020. Right now sitting at $28,015. Beachwood Independent Schools Board of Education, $14,000. The Bluegrass Airport, $13,600. That's owned by the city government. Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky Airport so far, based on our research here, $35,250 since January 1st of 2020. Davies County Fiscal Court. So that's like the people who run the county, $51,490. The Greater Lexington Convention and Visitors Bureau. So this is Visit Lex, completely Government funded. And well, it does take in some more money from some donations, but it is a government entity. Spent $64,290.25 since January 1st of 2020. Now, somebody had asked, where do you find this information? You go to this website, klec.ky.gov, G-O-V. And it, uh, it's the Ethics Commission, Legislative Ethics uh, Commission. And you go on there and you can do a nice little search for government, uh, for, for companies. You can also search for uh, entities and everything else. And you can find yourself quite a lot of information. And you'll start to see some surprising people that are dumping money uh, into our areas as well. You'll start to see, you know, we, we've got here, these are the all the 63 pages of active entities that pay money to lobby our state government. This is state government. And this is the state government, 63 pages of it. Okay, and it's not exactly hugely spaced out or anything there as I showed you guys. But I mean, and you can start to dig into these things and you'll find all kinds of interesting uh, people that are, that are lobbying our government. Groups that you would never think. Airbnb has a lobbyist that lobbies our government. American, um, let's see. Uh, um, of course, you know, there's things you expect. American Civil Liberties Union, so on and so forth. Americans for Prosperity. You know, you got uh, general contractors. Um, you know, it, it's just weird. Uh, Carfax was a weird one that I saw. Carfax as an active lobbyist. Um, you know, as far as that goes. So we, we will, we, we are digging into all the government lobbying that we're trying to look at. Um, and, and we want you to upload it. You can check broodco.com slash news. Um, we have articles there where we go over some of this stuff. Um, but you know, the bottom line is, is, is not only one is taxpayer funded lobbying bad, but what's it also say about our government system? 
that there's an entire industry worth millions of dollars dedicated to paying somebody that has a better ear of your representative. I mean, what the government, what the mayor of Lexington is saying when she pays for a lobbyist or the, the city council of Lexington or the council of Louisville or the mayor of Louisville or the judge executive of Davies County, what they're saying when they hire a lobby firm is they can't establish a good enough rapport with the representatives of their area, the state senators and the, and the house reps, to be able to talk to them themselves. They have to hire a middleman and use your money to do it. It's ridiculous and it's preposterous. And it's way too much, way too much spending, way too much spending. I guess go, go ahead and hit the share button here as we dig into it more. You know, the other thing too about this taxpayer-funded lobbying that I find just ridiculous is that, you know, we're, we're like part of the way through this and we're already at like four or $500,000. And they're over here saying, oh, we got to raise your gas tax to take care of the roads. Like just stop with the taxpayer-funded lobbying. I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the idiot in the room that's like, hey, maybe our tax dollars shouldn't be going to entities to then lobby our government to give our government more money for our government to lobby. And also, too, like, why do you need to register as a lobbyist if you're, if, if you're doing it like, you know, because you have to register as a lobbyist, you know, if you're like a private company. But if you're like a business, or I'm sorry, if you're, if you're a city, your entire job is to lobby part of it, at least is to lobby the state government for more funding. Like that's part of what you're supposed to do. I don't even understand why they have lobbyists for that matter. No, no, I could be crazy. Who knows? All right. Speaking of, um, oh, somebody asked, how can we stop this? Well, you know, literally we can just pass a bill that says no government entity can hire a lobbyist. I mean, if we can pass a bill that says if you're over 50% government funded, you cannot hire a lobbyist. It'd be a real simple bill to pass. It says, you know, you can't, you can't hire a lobbyist. You know, of course, you can still talk to your representatives. You just can't pay somebody to do it. That's a, that's a good way that we can put a stop to, to a lot of this, right? I mean, you know, if you want to, I mean, it, this is the fact of the matter. And, and you learn this as you dig into this. And a lot of people um, don't know, like when you start digging into government and how it works, um, you know, a, a lot of stop to this can be done easily, quite easily. Um, if we kind of just cut off lobbying as a whole, the entire reason why lobbying exists, um, the entire reason lobbying exists is because representatives don't know how to write their own bills. That's part of it. I mean, when you see a bill proposed, so like for an example, I was reading a bill um, today that was a, uh, a pre-filed bill that would make, a, I, I believe it's a sanctuary state. I didn't dig enough into what it actually changes for Kentucky, but it is a sanctuary state legislation that's pre-filed for 2022. Um and it looks like that's what it is. Like I said, I haven't dug into it a whole lot to see if it's got some flaws in it. That being stated, that being stated, um, 
you know, it, that the guy who proposed that did not write that bill. I, I, I mean, I hope you guys understand that. There are thousands of bill, I believe, last session um, in bill requests here uh, at, at the state level. This is at the state level. Um, last session. Oops, that's not the website. Sorry. Now, at the federal level, they file... Uh, tons of bills, way more bills than this. Cause obviously they have what? 400 and, um, 25. Federal ones? Yeah. Uh, four. 535, uh, uh total. 535, sorry. 535 total, um, legislators. And so, you know, you, it's definitely something to concern with, right? So just, just take, um, take the house here. Okay. This is the amount of house bills that were filed. All right. 595 house bills that were filed. That's not even requested. That's the ones that made it through the requesting phase. We had 286 that were in the Senate made it through the requesting phase. So that gives you guys some idea. I mean, they're not writing these bills. And so the way you get legislation passed is you get a, a, a representative has to propose it. So you've got to have a, a representative state or, or state house rep or Senator propose the legislation. And then you have to assist them in moving it forward in the process, by making sure you target those that um, don't want to uh, pass it per se. So naturally, for an example, the, the racket that is lobbying, there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to pass it. So you need to end up getting a really strong representative to propose that bill and then be able to guide that bill to ban taxpayer-funded lobbying through it, through advocacy and everything else. Now, um, you know, there, there may be some legislators out there that are willing to, to sponsor a ban taxpayer-funded lobbying bill, but obviously it's costing us hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and it's really gross. I, I believe I, I looked one time, the health departments during COVID spent more money on lobbying than they spent in, in, in those 16 months of, of heavy COVID. They spent more money lobbying over 16 months than they had for the last 16 years. That gives you some idea. And actually, too, it creates a certain amount of trust. You don't, you don't trust your government as much when they're doing these things because you can tell that's kind of messed up. So anyways... Moving on for that. Um, you know, one of the things that has been frustrating, please hit that share button too. If you're just joining us, please hit that share button. One of the things that has been, uh, you know, bothering us a fair amount too as well, um, as far as it goes for me, is, and, and maybe you guys um, can let me know how you're feeling about it, but, you know, is these businesses seem to not be catching up with the COVID um, um, guidance with the updated COVID guidance. Now, first, the first problem is, is that the state and the federal government do not update their side at all. I mean, I was counting once, Bashir ended the mask mandate and it took like two and a half weeks for him to update the website to say that he has removed the mask mandate. Um, so, you know, that certainly is um, um, something I'm noticing is the amount of time it takes, but also too, the amount of time they keep in weird regulations that don't make sense. I'll give you an example. I walked in to get my hair cut today. I had set an appointment earlier today. I'm going now later because I'd walked in and the first thing they wanted me to do is wear a mask, but I was going in for, uh, I get my beard shaped up 
for what little beard is there. And I get a nice lineup. I like to, you know, get my ears nice and cleared, things like that. Well, how can you do that wearing a mask? You can't. So like all during COVID, when you had to wear a mask during it, most of the time I sat down, I, you know, I'd know the barber pretty well. And he'd be like, hey, you know, you can go ahead and take your mask off so I can get your ears. And then I just never had to put it back on. But, but this shop, even past the mandates, not even a regulation anymore, decided that they wanted to charge and, and keep charging for, uh, not uh, for haircuts, but they want you to wear a mask. Okay. So I walk in as me and my son getting a haircut and they go, oh, you got to wear a mask. And I'm like, well, how do I wear a mask if you're going to cut my beard? Like, well, we're not doing beard cuts and shape ups right now. And I'm like, why? Well, because of COVID. That's not even a regulation. And you're just costing yourself money. We end up walking out of there. But also as well, I mean, that's not a regulation. Why are we pushing it forward? It's not even backed up by science. I mean, this particular shop had, you know, plexiglass up between the booths. So you like you walked in, it was wide open. And then, but they put these two barriers in between boost, but then it opens up to the aisleway, which is completely free, which there's a recent study done um, that found that though plexiglass uh, uh, sales, I believe went up by like 8x during COVID, um, there was not one study ever done. And they did do a couple studies to see if it would work but now, but there's never a study done. It turns out it, it, there's no evidence that plexiglass ever was effective in ending the spread. Now, what is also substantial about that when it comes to these COVID restrictions is let's look here in Kentucky, where at one point you had to be six feet apart or put up a plexiglass barrier between booths if you're sitting back to back. That was a actual um, rule that they had. And it comes out that, no, you didn't need to do that. All these business owners spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on plexiglass, on plexiglass barriers for you to check out, and plexiglass things. It turns out it doesn't even work because you're all breathing the same air, which made sense in the first place to begin with. But anyways, it's not even suggested anymore because they couldn't find a correlation that it worked. But yet businesses still haven't caught up to it. Now it's because they're they're... They're not paying attention. So that's the mainstream media isn't covering it. You know, they quietly cover, oh, mass mandate got removed. Well, they didn't cover all the other mandates that got removed. It'd be nice for businesses to know so they know what to do. Now, clearly this shop knows that's mass mandate got removed. They've just decided that they wanted um, to, to require it. And I decided I didn't want to go there anymore. But then also you've got some other crazy non-scientific things. I'll give you another example. I went to... Uh, a COVID test. I got a COVID test done at a, at a place. The COVID test I got done was prepare me for surgery because um, apparently you're required to pass a COVID test in order to get surgery done. Is the first time I'd gotten a COVID test was over these last couple of weeks when I've been in the hospital getting surgeries done and everything else. I'm doing pretty good now though for those who care. Now, um, but I walk in to get a COVID test because I had surgery the next day. So I walk in, they say, wear a mask. So I put on a mask, I walk in and the way this place was set up, like you had like a desk here that you walked in and then you, you walked in like one step. So you open up the door, you took one step and then there's a desk right there. So I, so I walk in without a mask. I say, please wear a mask. They, they hand me a mask. I put it on. Then she comes out behind the plexiglass thing, the plexiglass BS that's there tells me to take down my mask, gets well within six feet of me to shove a Q-tip in my nose to test for COVID. 
And then she goes, we'll test the results. Go wait in your truck or car. So I go out and I, and I sit in my truck and I'm waiting. And about 10, 10 minutes later, I get my COVID test back because I needed a copy that day. I was getting surgery the next day. I want to make sure I had a paper copy to give them. There's a requirement. So I say, you're ready to go. And I go back in. I leave my mask in the truck because they text me and said, your results are negative. So I'm like, great. So I walk in and get it. And I step in. I take my one step in. And I say, oh, yeah, I'm just picking up my COVID test. And the woman goes, oh, you need to wear a mask. And I go, I don't have COVID, though. You just tested me literally 10 minutes ago. I don't have COVID. I'm the least necessary person probably currently in, in a 10-mile in a area that needs to wear a mask because I've tested negative for COVID recently. To which their response was is, well, the tests aren't 100% accurate. To which left me to ask, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, why did I go get this test in the first place before surgery? If they're not 100% accurate enough that you still need to require me to wear a mask right after I tested negative for COVID. I don't think the science really backs that one up. Or maybe the tests are that bad off. And if they're that bad off, maybe we shouldn't be using them. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. Okay, infrastructure package too as well. Kind of get into that. I, I I made a longer post on our Facebook last night about the infrastructure package. I encourage you to check that out. We also wrote an article about it. You can go to broodco.com, go to the news section, check out the articles, and you can, you can see what's going on there. But Biden kind of muffed this up, okay? So to, to understand how he did it, you have to understand uh, what reconciliation is. So reconciliation uh, means you don't, okay, you also need to know what the filibuster is. So um, they, in the rules, in the Senate rules, they have a filibuster, which means, yes, a law will pass with only 51 votes. However, a law cannot exit debate without 60 votes, okay? So a law can be hung up in debate if it doesn't have uh, 60 votes. And so it used to be back in the day, um, you had to do a talking filibuster every time. So you had to sit there holding the floor, talking, your side talking, without there being 60 votes to end the discussion in order to go ahead and, and hold up everything to make sure nothing gets done as far as the bill goes. And then they decided, well, this is really hampering everything and we can't get as much done as we want to get done. So let's go ahead and just say, if you're going to say you're going to filibuster, it's filibustered, and then we can work on getting other things done so we're not caught up in this one bill that you guys are just going to talking filibuster anyways. But you have reconciliation, which is always a budget bills, which is something that doesn't require uh, a discussion of the end of debate. And, and, part, and the reason why that's involved uh, a lot of times is because they got to get a budget done and 40 people could hold up the entire government from functioning, which would make them my hero. Anyway, so, um, but, so, but you can only do it like twice a year, okay? Um, it's, it's very limited and it has to be a budget bill. And so what the Democrats could have done is they put all their spending wants into one bill, um, or not one bill, but they could break it up into a couple of bills because it has to be split up. Um, and then they could use reconciliation to get the two most important ones done without getting a single bipartisan deal. However, what the, what the Republicans have handed them is the ability that they don't have to use reconciliation. They can claim it's a bipartisan deal, and then they can go ahead and, and take their W. The Democrats are taking a huge W. While meanwhile, you have a bunch of Republicans that just approved an additional 600 billion dollars in new spending 
over the next eight years while we're still in debt from the other shenanigans dealing with COVID and everything else, our debt is swelled. And they're like, oh, what's another 600 billion when you owe 21 trillion? What's another 600 in there? You know, I made a joke with somebody the other day. Dave Ramsey must sit at, <laughs> sit at the house drinking straight whiskey, yelling snowball <laughs> at the TV all day. Every time they talk about, he's like, snowball, <laughs> pay off your debt. <laughs> what are you doing? You guys are running us into the ground. But anyway, so he they they had it they could have held it up and made them use a reconciliation uh, of vote which doesn't give them the win of the bipartisan wouldn't have increased funding wouldn't have sat there and caused I'm sorry what is that now 28 trillion uh, yeah, 28.5 28. you know when you got 28.5 trillion what is another 500 billion what is another 500 billion what i find interesting too as well is um you know our interest on debt is 401 billion like literally and that's also that's a tax increase that has to occur down the the road because if if you have to collect up more taxpayer dollars that you then have to use to pay that debt that then can't be used on on essential services it's like it's like its own tax it's its own guaranteed future tax but anyways so Biden came out and he said, well, don't you worry, guys. Yeah, we got this bipartisan deal done, but all the other stuff I wanted to get done, I'm going to shove that in on a reconciliation bill, and I'm not signing this bill till that bill gets signed, which upsetted and pissed off a lot of the Republicans to be like, I have gotten lied to. That is not what we agreed to. Now, of course, that's what they were going to do. Don't let Mitt Romney and them pretend otherwise. They're going to pretend they're all upset about it. Now, Biden's had to walk it back, and the media are pretending like he successfully did because they're covering for him. But, but they knew all along that's what would happen. But he said the quiet part out loud because he had a senior moment. And he said it out loud. Did you see the other day, too? He had, and I know you guys are like, who are you talking to? I'm talking to Nick. He's in the room. Did you see the other day, too, he completely forgot to talk about the building collapsing in Florida? Like 146 people, I think, dead, missing, or injured. Okay? Huge problem in Florida. He just passes this infrastructure bill. You've got an infrastructure building falling. It just had happened. And he's talking, and then he starts to walk away. And the press is like, oh, Biden, Biden, what about Florida, sir? What about Florida, sir? What about Florida? And like Kamala Harris like kind of stops him and says something. And then he turns around, comes back to the podium, goes, oh, yeah, I almost forgot. My bad. I know, right? <laughs> Whispering thing. You should pull that video up, dude, to play real quick. I sent that to you the other day. I don't know if you guys are watching this. This, this speech he did the other day is like whispering. He was like, I wrote the bill. I wrote it for you. <laughs> like some sort of demon came out of him. And I'm just like, this guy, man, is so strange. But he let it slip on the infrastructure bill because he had a senior moment. And that upset a lot of the Republicans because the 10 Republicans that this bipartisan deal is matched with, but it was faux. Like I said, they're faux upset. They knew that's what they're going to do. So here's what happened. The Republicans gave him $600 billion in more spending. They just get over eight years. They just go ahead and gave... Biden a win to say he got bipartisan support done. He, they gave them the ability to not have to use up one of the reconciliation votes. And then 
you know, they're playing along. So yeah, Biden's an idiot, but who's a better idiot here? I mean, is it, is it the dim, the Republicans for keep letting them go? I mean, you could literally have held that up. And people want to sit there and be like, well, what about our infrastructure? What about our infrastructure? First off, the real fix to our infrastructure, as I covered in the article, the federal government only owns three, is only in charge of taking care of 3% of our roads and bridges, 3%. But yet, when you look at how much they charge on a gas tax in the state of Kentucky, the federal government actually charges you more on your gas tax than the state government does. So if we just took and cut the federal gas tax down because what the federal government does is they take in that money, then they just give grants back to the states. The states already have their own function through their own gas tax to collect up that money. Why are you dispersing it all the way up to the federal government to then just hand it back out to the state governments when they only have 3%? So the federal government should cut down what their gas tax is down to like three to 6% of what it is now, and it's like 35 cents a gallon, and then let the state governments if I don't like raising taxes, so, but you know, the state governments raise their gas tax up to that level. Okay. Up to that level. So that way you, the taxpayer not paying a single dollar more, but at the same time, at the same time, we're able to cut the costly administrative fees that go into the federal government, then handing that back out. We have a uh, creepy Joe's video to play that video. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for childcare. A lot has been happened already. Number one, number two, I'm going to fight like heck to get them the rest of what I think has to be done. I'm going to be going around the country spending time making the case to the American people that this just isn't about showing an identification that this is who I am when I vote. This isn't just about whether or not, excuse me, you can provide water for someone standing in line while they're waiting to vote. This is about who gets to judge whether your vote counted after it's been cast. Think about it. Don't dismiss it at all. Just remind them, I wrote the bill the environment. Why would I not be for it? Employers can't find workers. I said, yeah, pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. I don't, I don't know what that just was, but that was something, um, to say the least. Like I said, he's whispering into his mic, he sounds like a demon. <laughs> I, I don't even, despite the fact of what he's saying, that he just literally is saying that the government is purposely doing something because they want to give something to the employees for a bargaining chip, which is fine, I guess, but the government should stay out of it. I mean, the best bargaining chip that the uh, employee, if, if, if you want to put more money in your pocket, the first thing you could do is get government to stop taking so much money out of your paycheck. But of course, that's never discussed. But as well, as well, he's talking about the fact that they are purposely putting forward a bargaining chip. So they're they're raising the minimum wage without raising the minimum wage, which is one dirty down way to do it. Whether you support the minimum wage raising or not, and that's a different debate that I've talked about a few times. Um, and there's a few different things about it because technically the minimum wage is always zero because you can also just not have a job. But anyways, 
The point is, is that forget what he was saying. That was some weird stuff. That was so strange. And then he's messing up the infrastructure bill. He's wandering off stage, forgetting to 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 talk about um, uh, the Florida thing. See if you can find that video real quick. Um, he's wandering off stage, forgetting to talk about the Florida as, as as he's walking off. We'll play that one here if we can find it real fast. I mean, he is obviously in a mental decline. He is bent over those mics, whispering sweet nothings into into them, like like everybody can't hear him like normal, like be a normal person, but he can't. He can't do it. I I want to know what part of his stutter causes him to whisper into mics, and because that's what everybody says, you know, when you point out these senior moments, they're like, no, no, he just has a stutter. And I'm like, you know, what? if he had a stutter, that'd be terrible. For us to be making fun of him for that. However, I forgot what part of a stutter causes him to lean down and whisper into the mics. You know what does though? Dementia does that. And not to make light of that, but um, there's a good chance he has it. And it's sad. I mean, he's my president too. I'm not going to say you're going to be like, he's not my president. It's just really sad to me that that is my president. And he does weird things like that. That is, that is a very strange thing to me as far as that goes. Um, here we got the, we got the video of the other day, he was he was in a press conference and he just walks away, walks away, forgetting to talk about like the most important thing that day that like a lot of people were injured in a building falling apart, talking about, by the way, infrastructure that he was talking about. So go ahead, Nick, play that video for us. Will you travel to Florida, sir? Can we ask you about Florida, what you've learned and what you've Oh, yes, I apologize. Yes, thank you, my president. I've spoken with Coincidentally, the mayor of Miami-Dade was in my office yesterday, and I talked to her today. Not about that, obviously. And so I had a long discussion with her today. I've also spoken with, we've been in contact with a congresswoman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who has that district. We've gotten in touch with FEMA. They're ready to go. The governor is going to have to, we can't, they're, they're down inspecting what, is, what they think is needed. But I'm waiting for the governor to ask for a declare an emergency. If and All right, Nick, go ahead and rewind that real quick. I, I want to show you guys what just happened there. Go ahead, take that to the back to the to the start there. Okay, so they're all asking him. They're all asking him, uh, yelling at him questions about Florida. Okay, go ahead and roll it. Will you travel to Florida, sir? Okay, pause right there. That is Kamala Harris. Coming off screen, for those who are listening on the podcast, can't see it, but he's turning, and Kamala Harris comes over from, the, from off screen to whisper to Joe Biden that he forgot to talk about the Miami building collapsing. Go ahead and play it. Oh, yes, I apologize. Yes, thank you. Okay, now pause that. And then he goes, oh, yes, I apologize. Silly me. This is a major disaster. And he's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just slipped my mind. You know what? I was actually talking to a mayor yesterday, and then I spent time talking to a mayor today. I just forgot. But thank goodness, President Kamala, I mean, Vice President Kamala Harris <laughs> took some time from her busy visit to the border 
<laughs> Where, by the way, we'll get to her in a second. I want to talk about that in a second. But took some time from her busy visit at the border to come up here and remind me that I forgot about the greatest disaster that's happened over the last like several weeks regarding natural disaster. Well, not natural, but a disaster regarding uh, a building collapsing, which there is some conspiracy around that too as well. Because apparently McAfee had like a condo. He didn't have a condo. No, okay. No conspiracy there. If you say that, you're wrong. Fact checked. Okay. <laughs> Boom. Fact checked. Uh, but anyways, so that's strange and weird. Um, and then you've got Kamala Harris, who went down to the border over there. She's she's off to the left side. She goes to the border. She goes to El Paso, which is not the epicenter of border problems. That is like the best place to visit on the border. And she literally says to a group of 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 young women, I don't know if they're unaccompanied, but they, it was reported that it's just young women that just crossed the border illegally. And she says to them, I'm not kidding, guys. I can't make this up. And I am a flabbergasted. She says to them, she says, don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do something. Let me say that again. She's talking to a bunch of girls who just crossed the border illegally telling them to not ever listen to anyone say they can't do something. I tell you what, Kamala, they understand that more than you do, okay? I don't think that's something you should be talking about, uh, considering they just broke your governmental laws and crossed over the border. They're not worried about being told they can't do something. Now, obviously, unaccompanied, they could be forced into and everything else, but take that to the side. That is the strangest advice to give to illegal border crossing I have ever seen, ever heard of. But with that, guys, thank you for joining us. Please go to broodco.com, B-R-E-W-E-D-C-O.com, buy some coffee as well, as well. Um, you know, remember to share this. Check out the podcast. If you're on Apple, give us a five-star review. We appreciate it. We'll possibly see you guys Wednesday. I'm on the road Wednesday, but hopefully we see you guys. Thanks. Have a wonderful day.